Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Hosea 2. Let's go to Hosea 2. You know where Hosea is at? It's after Daniel. It's before Joel. Make sure I told you right. Hosea, Joel. Yep, that's right. After Daniel, before Joel. All right, I want to talk to you about the wilderness this morning. How many of you enjoy the wilderness? None of you? None of you? I hope to convince you otherwise this morning. Believe it or not. I want to talk to you about embracing the wilderness. Embracing the wilderness. Let's go ahead and pray first, okay, while you're flipping there. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that there's power in your word. We thank you that this is not just ink on a page, but Lord, there's life in this. Because the author is alive and the author's here. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd speak to this people. I ask that you'd speak through me. I ask that this word would come alive in the hearts of this people. They would take deep roots in this people. And that you would speak to them what you would have to say to them today. That they would hear from you, hear from heaven. And that you would produce eternal fruit in them for the kingdom. And for intimacy with Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Hosea is an uh, interesting book. Lest you think you want to be a prophet. Uh, Hosea is a minor prophet who the Lord wants to uh, make a uh, a prophetic decree through. So he has Hosea go and marry a prostitute. And then he has Hosea have children with the prostitute. Or a child at least with the prostitute. And then Hosea's prostitute wife runs off. And then the Lord says now go and get your prostitute wife back. So uh, I know being a prophet is really cool in today's day and age. Because you get a social media page and the blue check mark. And you get a television show and all that cold stuff. But lest you think being a prophet of the Lord is all kicks and giggles and rainbows and ponies. This is a true prophet of the Lord. Um, if you read through the Old Testament, being a prophet wasn't always a cool thing. Being a prophet was sometimes a, a, a hard thing. Um, it is important that we embrace the season that the Lord has for us. It is vitally important that we embrace the season that the Lord has for us. There's a, uh, there's a saying in Christendom that, that has become popular that, that says something to the effect, and I don't know exactly where it came from or, or where it started, and I'm not criticizing the author because I believe it came out of a good intention, but it says something to the effect of, um, if it is God's time, you can't stop it, and when it's not God's time, you can't force it. And I believe that came out of a good heart. And I believe that came out of a good place. But the problem is, is it's not biblically accurate. It's not biblically accurate. It is vital that we embrace the season that the Lord has for us. Because all throughout this book, we have people that refuse to embrace the season that the Lord had for them. And because of that, they turn their back on oftentimes a season of transition. And they never stepped into the fullness of what the Lord had for them. Does that make sense? We look at the children of Israel in the wilderness and, and we immediately go to the 40 years, right? 
How many of you know that the 40 years was mercy from the Lord that came because Moses interceded and he was a really good intercessor? The Lord's initial response to Israel not going into the wilderness was Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy them and start over. Israel not going into the promised land, Israel not going into Canaan, Israel refusing to step into what the Lord had for them, the Lord's initial response to that was actually fine, then you don't get what I've promised you. It is a dangerous thing for us to not embrace what the Lord has for us. And I don't, I don't mean that to be scary, I just mean that to be maybe sobering. Because there are times and seasons appointed in our life. He is merciful and he is gracious and he is abundant and steadfast in love. And oftentimes he brings us back around the mountain. But there are times and seasons where we come up to a thing and this is our shot. Like this is the pitch and we got to swing. And if we don't swing, this, that's the only pitch we get. And, and it is vital for us to embrace the seasons that he has for us. Oftentimes when we talk about the wilderness in Christianity and Christendom, we think about a dry, a barren, a, a desert place, a broken place, a hurting place, a place of neglect, a place of forsakenness, a place that I don't want to go and I don't want any part of that. In fact, Jacob and I were texting yesterday and he was asking me, what graphic do you want? And he sent me two options. One was this picture and another was a place that looked horrific. It looked terrible, and I immediately responded back, and, and it, was, it had to have been the Lord because the wilderness, you don't think of this, and I said, I want that one. I want that one because this is the biblical picture of the wilderness. This is actually the biblical picture of the wilderness. The wilderness, biblically, is actually a place where he cares for you. Did you know that? It's actually a place where he takes care of you, but that's not what we think of. And I, I think... I think because we think of it in such a scary, um, we think of it in such uh, foreign, uh, taboo terms, it becomes a place where we want to keep it at arm's length when actually it's a place that the Lord wants us to embrace because there is such a measure of grace in that place of wilderness. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to read now. Hosea 2, I'm going to start in verse 14. Uh let me, let me read two verses to you, and then, and then we'll kind of jump in here. Hosea 2, 14. Therefore, this Lord speaking, Behold, I am going to persuade her and bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she went up from the land of Egypt. All right, quick backstory. I don't want to spend a ton of time here. The book of Hosea, chapter 1, and up to this point in chapter 2, Israel's not in good shape. The, uh, the people of Israel are not in good shape. They've got false idols. They've got false gods. They're living for the false gods. They're worshiping false gods. The Lord says, I'm going to get rid of the false gods, and the way I'm going to get rid of the false gods is I'm going to bring you into the wilderness. Okay? That's where we find ourselves in verse 14. The Lord wants to transition Israel. In verse 14, the Lord says, I'm bringing you out of where you're at and into where I want you to be. The wilderness is not a place of punishment. The wilderness is a place of transition. The wilderness is a place of transition. It's not a place of punishment. It is a place of transition. How do I know that? Jesus went to the wilderness. 
It's not a place of punishment. It's a place of transition. For Israel and Hosea, it was a place of transition from bad to good. Yes. But in the case of Jesus, it was not a transition from bad to good. It was a transition from, I don't know, awesome to awesomer. Or greater to or glory to glory. That's what it was. It was from glory to greater glory. But the wilderness is not a place of punishment. We have looked at the wilderness as a place of punishment. There's something wrong with me. There's something bad going on in me. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad Christian. I'm a bad son. I'm a bad daughter. I don't go to church enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't do the things right enough. And so God's going to put me in this barren, desert, wilderness place. And because of that, because of all the wrong with me. He's going to put me in this isolation and I'm going to have to go through this testing called the wilderness. That's not what the wilderness is. It is not a punishment. The wilderness is a transition. It is always a transition. Anytime he wants to take you from where you're at to someplace greater, he will take you through a wilderness journey. If you have a mandate on your life to do something greater than where you're at right now, good news, you're going to go through a wilderness. You may say, I hate that. It sounds scary. Don't. Embrace it. Embrace it. I'm going to show you in a minute. There is glory in the wilderness. There is glory in the wilderness. You can grumble and you can complain your way through the wilderness and read the book of Numbers. It's bad news if you do that. But if you embrace what he has for you in the wilderness, he comes nearer than you ever knew possible. It is not a place of punishment. If, I, if you hear anything this morning, hear that if you are in a wilderness, he is not punishing you. He is transitioning you into a position of greater glory. Into a position of greater glory. Because he wants to prepare you to carry something greater than you've ever carried before. He says, therefore, I will persuade her. I will persuade her and draw her. I will persuade her into the wilderness. Let me give you the, let me get it right. I'm going to persuade her and bring her into the wilderness. Persuade there is to persuade, to allure, to entice, or to seduce. To seduce. Your circumstances don't dictate your wilderness. Hear me? The wilderness is always an invitation from the Father. The wilderness is always an invitation from the Father. You know what that means? That means your kids acting crazy doesn't dictate a wilderness. Your sickness is not a wilderness. When you recognize that the wilderness is not a punishment, that the wilderness is a transition season, you start to recognize that the bad things in my life don't dictate wilderness. Bad things are battle seasons. The Lord wants you to draw a line in the sand. There are wilderness seasons and there are battle seasons. Cancer is not a wilderness season that the Father has seduced you into. How, how evil of a father would that be? For him to seduce you into a wilderness of cancer. Would you do that to your children? I would never to my sons. How much more the good father who Jesus said makes me look evil by comparison in Luke 10. He said he makes me look evil by comparison. The wilderness is an invitation from the Father. Your sickness is not an invitation to wilderness. Your, your poverty is not an invitation into wilderness. 
your kids acting crazy, your marriage falling apart, it is not an invitation into the wilderness. The wilderness only comes by invitation from the Father. When the children of Israel went into the wilderness the first time, it came by invitation from the Father. He said, Moses, go get my kids. I want to bring them into the wilderness. What did he say? I want to bring them into the wilderness so that they can come close to me and worship. When Jesus went into the wilderness, it said he was led by the Spirit. In Mark 1, it says he was driven by the Spirit. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit put a saddle on him and rode him into the wilderness. It means that there was a yearning, a churning so deep in his spirit that he said, I I want to be alone so deeply, so passionately with the Father that I've just, I've got to get away with Him. The Father doesn't ever force you into the wilderness. He seduces you by saying, come away with me, come away with me, come away with me. But in, in American Christianity, when the bills show up and my bank account is enough to suffice, we, 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 with our words that have power. How often does Pastor Mike quote it when he says that the power of life and death are in the tongue? How often do we look at that and we say, I'm in a wilderness. And we've given, we've given a wilderness season to what are battle seasons. And we put our sword away and we've looked at battle seasons and said, Lord, what am I supposed to be learning in this season? And the Lord's saying, you're supposed to learn nothing in this season except how to draw a sword and cut off the head of that giant that's standing in front of you. Stop trying to learn from giants and cut the heads off of them. Battle in battle seasons and learn in wilderness seasons. We have to draw a line in the sand and say there are wilderness seasons and there are battle seasons. And the battle seasons come by circumstances and situations and just life. And just life. But the wilderness is always an invitation from the Father. It's always an invitation from the Father. I don't get to go to the doctor tomorrow and have a bad, bad doctor's report and say the Lord's drawn me into a wilderness. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not a wilderness season. That's a battle that showed up at my door. That's a battle that showed up at my door. Maybe in the middle of a wilderness, I get a bad doctor's report. But that's not the invitation into the wilderness. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? We've got to stop labeling battles wildernesses and trying to learn from giants that are standing out there mocking the children of the living God. He says, I'm going to bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Speak kindly to her. Comfortably, kindly lovingly to speak to the heart. Sorry, I'm dry. How many of you heard that the wilderness is a place where you can barely hear his voice? How many of you have been taught? Come on. Are you alive? How many of you have been taught that the wilderness is a place where you can barely hear his voice? That's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says that in the wilderness, he will speak kindly to us. He will speak kindly to us. Can I tell you this? Genesis is the book of the beginning. Exodus is the book of getting out of Egypt and the building of the tabernacle. Leviticus is the giving of the law. Numbers is the book of the wilderness. Okay, Numbers is the book of the wilderness. In English, it's called Numbers because of all the census and all the numbers and all the counting. In Hebrew, you know what the title of the book is? Into the Wilderness or In the Wilderness of Sinai. You know what Numbers 1-1 says? It says... Let me just read it to you so I can, I can get it actually factually correct. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. The book that's called in the Hebrew into the wilderness or in the wilderness of Sinai. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. 
If the wilderness is supposed to be this desolate place where I can't hear from Him and where I'm separated from Him and where I'm isolated from Him and where His voice is hard to hear and He's difficult and obsolete and obscure, why is it that He begins the book of Into the Wilderness and He, and he says that, that the very first verse, He speaks to Moses in the wilderness and here He says, I'm going to draw you into the wilderness and while you're there, I'm going to speak kindly to you. I'm going to speak tenderly to you comfortably to you I'm going to speak to your heart because we don't have a clue what the wilderness is because the wilderness is not some dry barren place the wilderness is a place of miracle bread called manna it's a place of a tabernacle called the tent of meeting it's a place where we gather around him it's not a place where we hear him more difficultly it's a place where we hear him more clearly that's what the wilderness is The wilderness is a place where the peripheral gets pushed away and that which is central becomes more clear. Does that make sense? Am I crazy? The the wilderness is a place. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy, like you've never been through a wilderness. Come on. You guys are old enough. You're alive enough that you've been through a wilderness. The wilderness is not a place where he becomes harder to hear. The wilderness is the place where he becomes more clarified. The wilderness is the place where the things around him become more difficult to hear. The wilderness is the thing where my job becomes more difficult to listen to. Not that, not that I stop going to work, hear me. But it's, it's where it takes a lower place on the priority scale. It's where he becomes all in all. Where he is centered at the middle of the camp and I am camped around him, looking to him, only following him, only listening to him. Because he's the only supply. He is my everything. The wilderness is not this barren place where I can't hear him. It's the place where I can only hear him. It's the place where I only meet with him. Where his tangible manifest glory shows up. It's the place where the cloud and the fire show up. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, if Moses' face was shining like glory under an old, inferior covenant, how much more is the glory for us under a new covenant? Our wilderness is not dry and barren. Our wilderness is a place that is flourishing. There is a river on the inside of me. How can I be dry? In fact, it's not a river, it's rivers. John 7 says that out of my innermost being that rivers are flowing. Jesus is the drink that turns into the wellspring of everlasting life. Psalm 36, 9 says, For with you is a fountain of life, and in you, in your light, we see light. It can't be that in a place where it's just Him who is life and water and drink and river and wellspring and me, that it's dry. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. But he's convinced all of us and me that my season of learning and tutoring with him has to be miserable and it's a lie from hell and we're done believing it. And we're done believing it. We're done believing it. He says, and I will speak kindly to her. Verse 15. Then, what is then? After I give it, after I say yes to coming into the wilderness with him, after I allow him to speak kindly to, to me, there is a transition. Verse 14 to verse 15. I don't know how much time there is in between those verses, but verse 15 is coming out of the wilderness. Verse 14 is going into the wilderness. Between verse 14 and verse 15 is in the wilderness. Verse 15, we're coming out of the wilderness, okay? 
Verse 15, then, when we're coming out of the wilderness, I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Acre as a door of hope. i got to hurry. i got ten minutes. I will give her her vineyards from there. What does that mean? My submission to the wilderness, my yes to walking with him through the season of tutoring produces a possession for me. It produces a possession for me. Yes, he takes care of me in the wilderness, but on my way out, there's a vineyard that's waiting for me. Hear that, there's a vineyard. There are not seeds that are waiting for me. There is a vineyard that is waiting for me. It's already planted. It's already growing vines. There is already fruit on the vine. There is a vineyard that is waiting for me. He's not waiting on the other side with a pack of seeds and some broken up ground saying, Good luck, son. Get to it. But while I was in the wilderness, he was at work on the other side. Somehow he was with me here and with me over there. And he was planting over there and walking with me here and watering over there and watering with me here. And now I was fed here and now I'll be fed on the other side over there. And there is a vineyard that is waiting for me over there. And now the valley of Achor. Achor is trouble or, or, or uh, disruption. Disturbances. That's it. Disturbances. Thank you, Lord. Trouble or disturbances. The valley of disturbances. In other words, the Lord recognizes that it's not all rainbows and ponies. Okay? Yes, he's with us in the wilderness, but it's still, it's still sometimes you got to walk it out. Because it lasts longer often than you thought it would. It's, it's, a little, it's a little rougher terrain maybe than you thought it should be, but the Lord's with you. And he, and he recognizes that there are disturbances in the journey. But he says that valley that was disturbances, that appeared like a valley full of disturbances, it becomes a door of hope. It becomes a door of hope. And she will answer me. And she will respond. Sorry. She will respond there as in the days of her youth. She will respond there as in the days of her youth. When she went up from the land of Egypt. Respond there is to sing. This is the song when the children of Israel came up on the other side of the Red Sea. This is the song of Moses. What is that song? That's not the song about how hard it was to carry the bricks. That's not the song about how hot it was walking in the Egyptian sun. That's the song about the faithfulness of the Lord. In other words, on the other side of the wilderness is not a song about how hard the wilderness was. On the other side of the wilderness, it, it's like Jesus when he talks about, when he talks about women um, carrying children. He says on the other side of the pain of childbirth is the joy of holding the child. On the other side of the wilderness is the joy of standing in the promise. The song on the other side of the Red Sea is not the pain and the sorrow of Egypt. It is the joy of the promised land. Okay, I'm almost done. Are you okay? And it will come about, verse 16 and 17. I'm going to read them both. And it will come about on that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my Baal. That's weird, right? For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will no longer be mentioned by their names. Quick backstory. Baal, obviously false god, right? My husband and my Baal, husband and Baal in the Hebrew, really similar words. They're synonyms. They both mean Lord, okay? So um, it doesn't actually mean, Baal doesn't actually mean God as much as it means Lord. So husband 
the word for husband there in Hebrew means Lord. Baal means Lord. What the Lord is saying is, is he said, you're not just going to call me Lord on the other side of the wilderness. There is going to be an intimacy birthed between us that I'm not just going to be Lord because I'm your Lord by association. I'm your Lord because I'm over you. There's actually going to be a, a, a lordship birthed through intimacy. And I'm not going to be Lord to you like the Baals are Lord to you. I'm going to be Lord to you like a husband is Lord to you. Does that make sense? That I'm not just going to be Lord to you in terms of like Baal is Lord. I'm not going to be Lord to you like one of these idols is Lord. I'm going to be Lord to you in the same way that a husband is Lord to a wife. That I'm going to pull you near to me in the wilderness. I'm going to draw you near to me in the wilderness. That sounds like the complete opposite of what I always thought the wilderness was. I always thought the wilderness was the place where he kept me at arm's length. I thought the wilderness was the place where I had to walk all by myself and find him somewhere on the other side. I thought the wilderness was the place where he stood way on the other end and yelled for me. And I had to somehow find my way through this barren desert. Survive. Pray that maybe somehow miracle manna would fall at some point so I wouldn't die in the desert. And that if somehow, some way, by his good grace, I survived and found him on the other side, then maybe I would get to stay in the promised land. And that's not what the wilderness is at all. The wilderness is a place where he walks with us hand in hand. He hand in hand walks with us and tutors us through this place where he provides for us every step of the way. It's not a place where... Where circumstances get to force us in. But it's a place where he doesn't even force us in. He draws us in. By his goodness and his grace. And he says come in with me. And when we say yes. We get to walk down this path with him. Where we become different and become like him. So that on the other side. We have walked a journey with him. And we get to step into vineyards. That he has already prepared for us. Does that make sense? He has vineyards ready for us church. On the other side. But it is contingent on us saying yes to the wilderness. And it's not a scary, daunting place. It's not all roses and rainbows, no. But it is a place where he walks with us every step of the way. All right, stand with me. I don't know how much time is between verse 14 and verse 15. Verse 14, we go into the wilderness. Verse 15, we come out of the wilderness. All I know is that between verse 14 and verse 15, that he's the one that draws me in, that he's there and he's speaking kindly to me. That he's speaking kindly to me. And honestly, it's good enough. It's good enough. If he's there, that's good enough. It's good enough. I want to be where he's at. I want to be where he's at. Can we just bow our heads for just a minute? How many of you would say this morning you feel like you're in a wilderness season? How many of you would say you've, you feel like you have pushed back against the Lord done everything in your power to get your way out of the wilderness season.
because you don't like it. You don't enjoy it. And most of that is because you thought it was this desert, barren, broken place where you had to figure it out all on your own. I feel like the Lord wants to invite us in to just say yes again to whatever he has for us. Can we just do that this morning? Father, we thank you this morning that you don't push us into anything. That's not how you work. You put a dream and a desire in our heart and you draw us by your goodness. Father, I thank you that the people in this room have accomplished great exploits for the kingdom. And I thank you that the people in this room still have great exploits to accomplish for the kingdom. And much of the transition that needs to take place for us to go from glory to glory comes through wilderness seasons. And Lord, we just, we just want to collectively as a body this morning say yes to whatever you have for us. Lord, as long as you're there, we'll go. We thank you that the wilderness is not some dry, barren, broken, forsaken place where we can't hear you or see you or find you or be with you. But we thank you that the wilderness is actually a place where we get to draw near to you and, and solidify our view and our vision, our hearing of you. And Lord, I just pray for those who are in a wilderness season, Lord, that their eyes would be fixed on you, that their hearing would be fixed on you. Lord, I pray for those who are in battle seasons, who who maybe have called it a wilderness season. I pray that today would be the day that they draw the line in the sand, that their prayer would stop being, Lord, teach me what I need to learn in this season. And their prayer would start being, Lord, you tell that son to stand still so that we can slaughter this army that's come out to stand before us. That you would give us strength, Lord, to walk through this wilderness with you. To hear what you want us to hear. To become who you want us to become. So that we can properly steward the vineyards on the other side in the promised land. That you are already watering and maintaining for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.